Amen. I'm thankful that God is always great. And uh, she sang the English part at the last. I'm thankful God hears every language, aren't you, this morning? Amen. And so when Christ shall come, boy, I'm ready for that day. How many are ready for that day? All right. He may come before I finish this message. I'm not going to preach a long time, but but he could come. Uh, This last week, I know it was an unusual week, and uh, something the Lord laid upon my heart is that people need the Lord. People need the Lord. We need the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and folks, as we have hope, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're supposed to provide hope to the hopeless. We're supposed to provide light in a dark world. And I want to preach this morning on the subject of evangelism. I believe God has given us a window of an opportunity that's closing quickly. And people are scared. Uh, People are uncertain what will happen tomorrow. Well, I'm thankful that God is certain. And I'm glad no matter what happens, God is in control. And folks, uh, when was the last time someone witnessed to you? Think about it. Have you ever been witnessed to? Have you witnessed to someone? A number of years ago, it was probably 15, 20 years ago, a traveling group from a college came by and they presented their college. And then uh, uh, they told some of our young people they felt like evangelism was out of date. And they told me that, and I said, no, it's not out of date. You know, it's, it seems like people that don't believe in evangelism, it's out of date. But those people that practice evangelism, uh, it, it still applies. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now God says that the foolishness of preaching unto us which are saved is the power of God. Now to those that are unsaved is foolishness. Uh, to go to someone and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ or to uh, come to a church service, they think this is a waste of time, but it's not. How many were saved under the preaching of the Word of God? Would you raise your hands this morning? Amen. It's the preaching of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How shall they hear without a preacher? Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Paul had gone to the city of Corinth. It's recorded in Acts chapter 18. The city of Corinth was a wicked city, much like San Francisco. They were known for several things, their uh, uh, sporting events, their idols. But folks... Paul went there to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't go there to do some sightseeing or visiting. He went there on a mission. And you wonder sometimes, why did God allow us to live in 2020? What an unusual year. I believe God has a plan for each one of us. And that plan is so that we can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'd be much easier being in heaven right now. 
It'd be much easier uh, not having to deal with the uh, philosophies of the world and to deal with our sin nature. It'd be much easier. But folks, God's left us here so that we can share the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech was my and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power and your faith that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, immediately when you think about someone you think I, I can't do it. I don't have an outgoing personality. I'm not a people person. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know my coworker. Uh, they're really hard against the gospel. Folks, Paul is telling us it's not in our power or our ability. It's in God's ability. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that you rule over all. And I'm thankful, Lord, when I pray this morning that I'm talking to the God who created me, created each one of us. Lord, I'm thankful this morning we can look at your word and Lord, encourage us in this dark time in our country. Father, I believe there are some people in Champaign-Urbana and the surrounding communities that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, guide my mind, guide my lips, fill me with your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Dill Moody, a number of years ago, living in the city of Chicago, had made a commitment to God that he would witness to one person every day. Not every week, not every year, but every day. So he got back to his house and realized he had not witnessed to anyone that day, and so he put on his jacket, went out into the darkness of the night, and saw a man walking down the street, and he said to this man, he said, sir, are you saved? Man got offended. He said, that's none of your business. And Dale Moody said, it is my business. You know, folks, this morning, it's our business. It's not our business to live for this world. It's not our business to acquire a lot of money. It's not our business to live a comfortable life. It's our business to be soldiers of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A.C. Dixon tells about a pastor that went in to see a banker. And he asked to be able to see this banker for 10 minutes. And so when he walked into the banker's office, the banker said, are you here on businesses? Yes, God's business and business for eternity. And this pastor witnessed to this banker. and The banker said this, I never had anyone in my 30 years of being in this business as a banker, tell me about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. You cannot convict someone. I cannot convict someone of their need of salvation. We cannot convert them. It's not our job to convict or convert them. It is simply our job to share the Lord Jesus Christ with them.
If you have your Bibles this morning, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, we see the purpose of witnessing or the purpose of soul winning. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In Acts chapter 18, the first, verse, first 18 verses tell us about uh, Paul's time in Corinth. And Paul said, I did not come uh, to sightsee or to visit or enjoy the food or the culture. I came to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul, if we look at uh, Acts chapter 18, uh, verse 4, Paul publicly sought to win others to Christ. Now folks, when you think about the church this morning... You can come and you can hear the message, you can hear the songs, you can sing part of the songs, and then you can leave in the same condition that you came. But church is a lighthouse in a dark community. This morning, all of us should have gotten up and said, Lord, save some soul today. Lord, help this special music to glorify you. I pray, Lord, that the, the piano special, everything would bring honor and glory to your name. And as you drove in this morning, you should have been thinking about, Lord, save some soul today. Now this morning, all of us should be thinking about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you see a visitor here this morning, you ought to be praying for their salvation. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 18, verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Paul, every Sabbath, witnessed to the Jews and the Greeks. And I've heard people say, well, I went to a certain church and they don't have a soul winning or a visitation program. Folks, God tells us to soul win. You don't need some pastor telling you. You don't need some church telling you. God tells us. He says, go ye into all the world. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, where does that authority come from? It comes from God. God tells us to witness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, folks, this morning, if we're not witnessing, if we're not evangelizing, we're not following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says if we follow him, he will make us fishers of men. You see, if I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I will say what he wants me to say. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll go where he wants me to go. Now, Paul, not only publicly proclaimed Jesus Christ, but he privately proclaimed Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, And he departed thence, and entered into a city, a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So uh, Justice House was right next to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house, 
They cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We cannot expect the unsaved to come to church. We have to go out and find them. You say, Pastor, how do you witness to the lost? Let me give you a couple suggestions. Christmas is coming. I told Joel the other day it was too warm that Christmas has been canceled. He goes, no, it hasn't been canceled. He goes, Dad, there goes your gift. I see you never got one yet for me anyway. But folks, why don't you make some Christmas cookies? Send, a, send with it some car, a card, Christmas card. Put a gospel track in it and give it to your neighbors. There are many ways that we can witness. People are hurting. They're scared. And our problem is that we're so consumed with self and our comfort and our enjoyment, we forget about the lost. Have you ever been on the phone for a long time on hold? We all have. Well, just recently, I decided, you know, when you're on the phone for a long time, you're on hold. Why don't you present the gospel to these people? And so it was last week, I was on the phone for a while, and a lady was trying to help me with the transaction, and after she helped me, they always say this, is there anything else that I can do? I said, yes. I said, ma'am, when you die, will you spend all eternity in heaven? There's a long pause. It says, what was that? I say, when you die, will you spend all eternity in heaven? It took her a couple seconds, but she said, yes, I'm a Christian. I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, you have a good day. I said, you do too. I did that later on. I was on the phone for a while, and the lady said, is there anything I can do for you? Now, folks, we have an opportunity to witness a lot of people. And so when this lady asked me that question, I said, ma'am, if you died today, would you go to heaven? There was a long pause, a long pause. I thought she hung up on me. I said, are you still there? She said, what did you say? I said, if you died today, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> she said, well, I think I'm going to heaven. I, she, she said, well, you have a good day. She didn't really give me a chance to witness. You know what I found out? When salespeople come into the church and they give me their long speech, 10 or 15 minutes of how I should buy their product or uh, how I should use their shingle or how I should uh, buy their copier. I said, by the way, I have some good news to tell you. You know what they'll listen? They don't always pay attention, but they'll listen. But folks, there are a number of ways with gospel tracts, with email, with Facebook, there's so many ways we can witness and share the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul shared Jesus Christ with others. Now notice what he says. Not only the purpose of witnessing, but the procedures of witnessing. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What Paul said, I didn't rely upon my ability to speak. And I think sometimes we think it's our ability to speak. Uh, you know, many times in our minds we think, uh, no way, this person is not going to listen. They're too hard. Uh, I know their lifestyle. Uh, they have a temper. Uh, you know, they're too intellectual. They're, they're going to just debate with me. Uh, folks, Paul said, it's not my ability to speak. 
what Paul was talking about, how salespeople are smooth talkers. Paul said, I I'm not that way. Matt, I learned a long time ago when you buy a car and, and they test drive, you test drive the car, uh, the salesperson is trying to get you to say yes a lot. And they'll say, don't you like the color? Yes. Uh, don't you like how smooth it, the ride is? Oh, yes. Don't you like how comfortable it is? Yes. And they'll get you to say yes several more times. And they say, wouldn't you like to buy it? No. <laughs> Folks, it's not our ability... Not our personality, not our education. It's God Almighty that brings conviction. And when God lays upon your heart to share the gospel, we're telling Almighty God no when we don't share the gospel. He said, not excellency of speech, not flowery speech that is designed to catch the ear. And believe me, salespeople are nice. The other day, I told my wife, I said, well, this sales guy is really, really nice. She said, what do you expect? They're real nice. I remember a guy that I went to college with, Todd Warner, and he uh, went to uh, uh, win a free color TV, a small TV. And he said, you know, it was a timeshare. And he said, I had the pen in my hand. I was ready to sign my, my life away. And then it hit me. What am I doing? I think of Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Remember, Moses was watching his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert. And we could get on Moses and say, Moses, what was your problem? We have the same problem this morning. And as Moses was watching the sheep on the backside of the desert, all of a sudden he saw a bush on fire. Now that was an unusual sight. But for the bush not to be consumed, it was very unusual. And so Moses walks over to the bush, and the bush speaks to him. Now, I would have ran, okay? But Moses gets down to the ground and removes his shoes because the bush said, Moses, Moses, you're on holy ground. And then God speaks to the bush and says, Moses, I have heard the cries of the people, and I've chosen you to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. You know what Moses said? Me? <laughs> Tell me! Somebody else. And he argues with God. And God tells Moses the same thing he tells us. He says, I will be with you. Doesn't God tell us that today? He says, I'm with you. And Moses says, I can't do it. Then God says, this one, here's my plan and my power. And Moses argues. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. But isn't that us? <laughs> Lord, I can't do it. I'm not very good. I, I don't know what to say. What if they say something? What if they ask a question? I don't know how to answer. This is what God says. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seen or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee, 
by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. So after all this, do what Moses says, Lord, I can't do it. Send somebody else. That's our attitude this morning. Lord, don't send me. Send the pastor. Lord, don't send me. Send somebody else. You know what God is saying this morning? I want to send you. Because you're able to work around people other people aren't able to work around with. You have relatives that uh, are unsaved that only you can reach. You have neighbors in your neighborhood that only you can reach. Now, it's not our responsibility to save them. God never says that. It's simply our responsibility to share the gospel. Verse 2. We're back in Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I wonder how many times that happens when God says, I want to use you. And we say no. We say, oh, we tell God all kinds of reasons why. Lord, it's not a good time. This person, I know how they are. Well, if God laid that person upon your heart, then there's a reason. And perhaps God is convicting them at that time. And we're wasting an opportunity. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, it's not about a plan. It's about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. And I promise you, if you're dating somebody and you madly are in love with that person, you're going to tell the people about them. Why do we not tell people about Jesus Christ? It's simply a testimony of what Jesus did in your heart, in your life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Now our trust ought to be so strong in God that we know that God is our hope. And with that positive attitude, because our perspective is right according to the word of God. People ought to look at us and wonder how in the world can they be so happy. It's because of Christ. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. In daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8 verse 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Acts chapter 9, verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue, that he is the Son of God. And that's convicted to me. I remember years ago, I would tell people about our church. It's not about church, it's about Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling you say oh man if paul was a, a member of our church he'd be a, a soul winner and he'd be out there witnessing all the time and he'd be bold and he'd be courageous and there was no fear he had fear he said when i came to you it came in weakness 
I believe Paul was talking about two things. Number one, how weak he was physically. He was a frail man. He suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. He traveled a lot. He trembled because he realized if they rejected the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were not going to heaven. 700,000 people made up the city of Corinth. And Paul realized there's no way I can see everyone come to Christ. But Paul had a burden. He had a compassion. You see, Paul realized what was going to happen to these people without Christ. And many of those people are in hell today. And folks, it ought to break our hearts that our neighbors, our relatives, our friends without Jesus Christ will spend all eternity in hell. It ought to break our hearts. Notice in verse 4, In my speech, in my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You know what gave Paul confidence? That God was with him. You know what gave Paul confidence? It was God's work to bring conviction. Our work is simply to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. I believe this morning if we would pray, God, give me a burden for the lost, God would give you an opportunity to witness to those who are unsaved. It's not by what we say. I remember the first time I preached was up in Berlin, Wisconsin, and my friend Scott Ziegler, he was outgoing one, and he had preached three or four times before this. He said, you can preach this um, activity tonight, and we only had two or three teens. I said, two or three, that's not bad. That won't be too scary. Well, then he watched the movie Ordinary Guy a long time ago in Christian film, and he got this idea. He said, what we'll do is we'll take our bus... We had two or three on there, and we'll go around, and they'll get off the bus. At, we'll go to their friend's house, and they'll get off the bus, and they will talk to their friends about coming. I thought, oh, this isn't going to work. So I stayed on the bus, and first house, the three teenagers got off, and the guy came to the door, and they said, oh, you got to come bowling with her. you got to come, you got to come. The kid came. Then they went to his friend's house, and he came. And after about an hour, we had... 20 kids on that bus. And I'm saying, Lord, this would be a great time for the rapture to take place. And Scott said, you're ready, right? I said, I guess. <laughs> and I sat next to one of the young men, a visitor, and I started telling him about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he got saved on the bus. You're talking about being fired up. That night I was so fired up. Scott said afterwards, Bob, I don't know how they got saved. I, I couldn't really follow your message. <laughs> but you know what? God worked that night. It's not based upon our ability. It's based upon our availability. Mel Trotter, after he got saved, had a good friend who was a barber and a drunk. 
His friend was named Herb Stillway. And in four weeks, he got drunk six times. He tried to kill himself. And Mel Trotter tried to witness to him over and over and over and over again. And Herb wouldn't listen. So Mel Trotter went down to the jailhouse. And Herb was still in his wet clothes after he tried to drown himself in a river. Mel did not say a word. He just wept. And he wept. And Herb said this, Mel, I can tell you really care about me. I can tell you really are concerned for me. And he got saved. You see, folks, years ago, I remember there was a pastor every time he, I'd see me tell me how many people he led to the Lord. You know, we don't lead anybody to the Lord, really. <laughs> and we don't lead them. Uh, when we tell them about Jesus, God saves them. But I wonder how many times you've tried really hard to get someone saved. It was you. It was your convert. Because one time after a meeting, Dale Moody was crossing the street with a friend of his. It was dark. And a drunkard came across the street. And the man said, hey, Brother Moody, there's one of your converts. And Brother Moody said, yes, you're right, one of mine, but not one of God's. You see, Paul wanted true conversions. I'm afraid we don't pray, we don't go like the Bible tells us to do. You think about your neighbors, your relatives. I mean, God is in control. Jesus is coming soon. And someone told me on the phone Thursday, I can't wait until Jesus comes. You know what? I can't either. But all those people without Christ are going to be left behind. The product of soul winning. He says in verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, when God gets hold of a life, he changes that person. That person becomes a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. You see, when someone truly gets saved, you don't have to beg and plead and try to get them to come to church. They'll come to church. Because God's changed them. I believe many of our churches are filled with people that aren't saved. They pray to prayer, but they're not saved. Paul was after true conversions. I don't know how many people this morning have heard of the atheist, Pendulette. How many have heard of Pendulette? Anybody here? He's a magician, has a show in Las Vegas. And you can look this YouTube video up. I uh, heard a pastor talk about it. Penn Jillette, great magician, has a show in Las Vegas. He said after the show one day, he called the man a gentleman, came up to him. And he said this gentleman looked him into the eyes. He said he was very kind. He said this gentleman gave him a Bible. 
Now, Penn Jillette is very outspoken about not believing in Jesus Christ. Outspoken atheists. But he said several times in this clip, he said, this guy was a kind guy. He cared enough for me that he gave me a Bible. He said, I have great, great respect for someone that believes. And what they say they believe enough to get out of their comfort zone and share Christ with them. Now he said this. Pendulette said, hey, he has it wrong. But he said, if I saw a truck coming down towards you, and I warned you and you didn't move, I would tackle you. Now, folks, we understand it's the work of God. He didn't cut this person down. He didn't blast this person. He said, I had great respect for this person. Then he said this. And you can watch a YouTube video. He said, if people really believe in heaven and in hell, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus Christ? From an unsaved man, an atheist. You see, we can play church, we can act like we believe in heaven and we believe in hell and Jesus is coming back. But folks, what about those people without Jesus Christ? Jesus is coming. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many cars you have. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It's all going to be left behind. The only thing that matters is what you did for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.